The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Welcome to another edition of Leadership Matters, the show that aims to support the leadership development of current and future public and nonprofit leaders. Each episode is designed to inform leaders and inspire solutions. I'm Tom Wall, and I'll serve as the moderator of our discussion today. I work with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities and for the Strategic Change Initiative. We work together to help organizations to strengthen and transform themselves to assure a more successful future. With me today as our guest panelist is my good friend, Andre Howard. Andre, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you, Tom. This is Andre Howard again with the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities with our Center on Leadership. Um, bringing you greetings from uh, lovely Milwaukee, our operations center. So glad to be here today. Good to have you. Today, Andre and I are proud to have as our special guest, David Dewey, the president and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest, a nonprofit human service agency serving communities throughout Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. I'm happy to share with you that Lutheran Community Services Northwest received the Alliance for Strong Families and Communities 2017 Commitment Award for their commitment to engaging all voices. We're pleased and honored to have you with us, David. Would you please introduce yourself to our listening audience? Hi, Tom. Thank you. And Andre, thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. My name is David Dewey. And I have the pleasure of serving as the president and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest, as you mentioned, for the last three and a half years. Outstanding. David, leadership is often described as a journey. We like to ask those that we talk with on this show to share their journey with us. Could you please share with us where you started and how you came to be appointed as president and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest? Uh, sure. No, I'd be happy to. And uh, I'll start sort of from the beginning. As my freshman year, I went to a college called PLU, uh, Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington, smaller uh, liberal arts college in the Northwest. Uh, I was planning on becoming a pastor. Uh, and then I took my first social work class uh, in, in my freshman year, and I switched my major immediately. Uh, I decided that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and so I went through the social work with a minor in religion and got my, uh, my uh, BA in social work um, and then got my first job working the floor of a boys' ranch or a uh, home for boys that were not doing well in foster care, so a group home for boys um, in, uh, in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, started out uh, on the floor uh, at an entry-level position and quick, quickly uh, sort of found my knack for leadership and, and worked my way up and became a shift supervisor within months and then served in almost every capacity uh, for that. Uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to serve. Uh, I started as then became the operations director, development director. I was uh, 12 years at this organization, and we had a bunch of mergers, so it gave me opportunities to do different things. Then I got my first CEO job at the age of 35 uh, for a mental health facility in, in Pierce County, Tacoma area, and uh, for the next 12 years, just slowly grew that organization uh, as well. Um, I had a really transformative moment uh, on a ride from where Andre is, from Milwaukee to Chicago. I was in the car with my father, who was the CEO of Lutheran Social Service of uh, Wisconsin and Upper Michigan. 
And I was telling him I was going to go back and get my MSW, you know, because I wanted to, you know, run an agency. And he simply asked, well, what about an MBA? You might want some business sense. And, and uh, immediately that made sense to me. So I went that path, and, and that has opened some doors as well. So I was with Hope Sparks, that mental health facility, for 12 years. And then three and a half years ago, I was very lucky that the uh, board of directors here uh, hired me for this, this uh, amazing organization. So that's a little brief, you know, how I got here. Wonderful. Why don't you talk about the history of Lutheran Community Services Northwest and talk about how it has changed and evolved over the years. Yeah, so like a lot of the Lutheran organizations, they started out, you know, um, this one started out in 1920, uh, Lutheran Compass Mission in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, according to the charter, to help the, quote, down and out individuals, uh, something we wouldn't really say right now, but a similar, uh, and then a similar organization uh, started in 1926 in Portland called Lutheran Welfare Society. Uh, and then uh, over the years, it has grown and uh, transformed. And the big thing that happened in 2001 was uh, Washington Lutheran Social Services. Uh, it was Lutheran Social Services of Washington, Idaho, merged with Lutheran Family Services of Oregon uh, in southwest Washington. And that's the organization we have today. We have really kept the same mission with a focus on hope, justice and health, um, but like many of our, our uh, sister, brother and sister organizations around the country have morphed into more of a formalized organization. So why don't you talk about the services that are being offered right now from Lutheran Community Services Northwest? Sure. Uh, I'll let you know in the last three and a half years, we, we've been in a tremendous, um, tremendous time of growth. So we've, when I got here, uh, three and a half years ago, our revenue was about thirty million, and we'll surpass over fifty. Well, surpass over fifty million in revenue. Just to give you a scope, and we have approximately seven hundred and fifty staff. Um, we have five major lines of service: behavioral health, which includes mental health, substance use treatment, crime victim advocacy, um, and we focus a lot on minorities and also the rural uh, areas as well which is something that we're very proud of. It is very hard to sustain. Uh, we also have foster care services to keep families together and support children. Um, and then we also have a couple of unaccompanied minor, um, refugee minor programs, one in the Seattle area and one in Spokane. Um, we do a lot of immigration and refugee and asylum services work to support individuals and families. Um, and then we have a division that focuses on aging and independent living services to empower individuals to live independently and with dignity. Um, and then we also have family support centers throughout um, the Northwest as well. Um, so we're a very diverse organization uh, as far as geographically over three states and also the lines of services that we, that we provide. Well, what are the greatest challenges that you have been experiencing during the time that you have been in your present position. The greatest challenges that Lutheran Community Services has been and is now facing. Um, I think we are facing now, what we've been facing lately is just the tremendous amount of change this organization has gone through, not only from a growth standpoint, but also from a system standpoint. We have a new electronic health record system that has allowed us to become much more competitive. We have a new, uh, we, we launched it two days ago, a new human resource information system. We have a new donor database. Um, we have been, uh, we've added 13 locations. Um, and then also in my tenure now, the executive team is 100% turned over. We just hired a new CFO a uh, couple weeks ago, and which is very, very, very exciting, and it's all good stuff. But it's all change as well, which creates sure. a lot of um, challenges, to say the least. Um, you know, so globally you and for our programs, accommodate um, the, to that no, tremendous change. Yeah, I'm sorry, I missed the question. What What have you done to respond to the challenges of growth and change within your organization? 
communicate as much as we can what we're doing, why we're doing it, the thought process behind it. Um, as much as we communicate, we can't communicate enough to get to all of the staff. Um, and getting everyone's voices involved when it's appropriate. Um, at the same time, getting, you know, making decisions quickly. Uh, one of the things is our systems were very, very archaic and needed to be um, transformed because, for example, I'm not in my office very much, so, and I do a lot of donor calls, so I need to be able to look at our donor database on my phone. Um, so we weren't able to do that. And so um, those kind of changes to make us more competitive uh, and ready because there's, there's going to be some serious funding challenges, I think, coming up in the next several years. Sure. I, I, I hear you say that you have changed some of your uh, leadership team membership. Um, how have you been working to actually develop that leadership team so that they can assist you? in growing and uh, communicating with your entire organization. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. It's been it, and it's been a process. It's it's been a process of um, and most of the folks that left uh, left because of retirement. So when mm-hmm. I got here, my predecessor left a, a, an amazing team, um, but I could see that all of, almost half of them were going to retire within 5 years of my tenure. Um, and so um, what we've done is we've just hired some pretty amazing people that have actually taken pay cuts from the for-profit um, arena um, because of the mission. Um, and so we've worked very hard. We have a leadership academy for uh, 70 leaders. So it's not just the executive team. It's also the leaders throughout the entire agency that we've run every year, which is a leadership academy where we bring in speakers and talk about leadership, and we have a new um, HR director, uh, Gene, who came from Nordstrom, who was really, really, uh, as you would imagine, good on customer service. So she's provided a whole new level of training for our leaders as well. Those are just a couple of the things. Now, leadership is something you're training your people in. What are some of the core aspects of leadership that you are covering in your academy? Um, several things. You know, one is just um, we, we have a motto, it's people over policy, but policies are very important, especially as we continue to grow. So letting them know what the policies are and why they're important, um, but it's people first. Um, and and that's, that's, a, that's a dance sometimes. Um, sure it is. The other thing as I go over and, you know, almost everything I teach is stolen, so it's the five enemies of unity and how you create a unified team. And uh, so discussing everything from gossip to um, communication and, and, and how, you know, how your team gets disunified and how you're, you know, spending your time putting out fires instead of, you know, helping our clients. So... Those are Wonderful. some of the things, um, and then of course we uh, we've really made a commitment to the ten uh, ten uh, attributes uh, commitments of a highly effective organization. Yeah, let's, uh, let's just them, hold yeah. that for one minute. We have to take a short break. Love to come back and talk about those commitments. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. 
Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, David Dewey, the President and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest. In our last segment, David was sharing his leadership journey and the evolution of Lorraine uh, Lutheran uh, Community Services Northwest. David, the award that your organization received from the Alliance for your commitment to engaging all voices was very impressive. Congratulations. What exactly are the commitments that the award refers to? Well, the one we won for uh, was Engaging All Voices. And uh, we made a commitment before we were actually members of the Alliance. I knew about the Alliance from my previous job where we were Alliance members. But at Lutheran, we weren't. Um, But I had heard about this um, this new focus that the Alliance um, was going to endeavor in, and they were doing these great um, sort of uh, surveys that were very comprehensive with all staff, um, and they went over 10 uh, commitments. So as, as I was looking for um, how, to, how to sort of um, look at this organization and take an honest look as how effective were we being, they had these 10 great commitments. They, through research, through leading with vision, governing the future, executing on mission, and I won't talk about all of them, but one of them that really was a focus of mine was advancing equity. Equity was very important, and when I came into this position, I saw we had therapists that spoke 50 different languages and saw um, we had, uh, in our Refugees Northwest program, 60% of our staff were uh, born outside of the USA and were refugees themselves and now working with clients. Um, so uh, we made a commitment to this so we could have some honest feedback. And the, th- the results were very surprising. And what I thought was we were going to be one of the leaders in advancing equity and our staff would think that we are just, we're just doing that really well. We scored the worst <laughs> in. So that was, that was a huge wake-up call. Um, and we were able to get coaching and, and get into groups to help, uh, help, uh, help shape uh, the direction we wanted to go. But the one where, where we won the award was engaging all voices. And, and the reason that I, I think we did well in that and we won the award was because we've got some mid- when I talked about Refugees Northwest, that's a program of ours. And amazing staff that saw a need so we, last year we resettled 1,500 refugees throughout the Northwest uh, in our lifetime. In Lutheran Community Services has resettled over 45,000 uh, since the 80s. Um, but there was no effective tool to really assess from a health and a mental health possession, um, position where uh, refugees were at. 
And so they would have to retell their story, their traumatic story, over and over again to physicians and to therapists. And so this bubbled up from our therapist who said, we need a tool so the refugees don't have to go through this time and time again. And so we helped lead a group with the Gates Foundation and, and some other foundations and Harborview, uh, one of the big hospitals in Seattle, to create this tool. And this tool is now being used internationally. It's being used in, in most of the states that resettle refugees. And it's a great, simple tool, and I believe it's over 10 languages now, to help assess from a mental health and a physical health standpoint um, where the refugees are at. So a clinician or a physician can read this and not have them repeat their story over and over again, which can increase trauma and can frankly delay the healing. We want to get to the healing as soon as possible. Sure. As you have worked on this commitment to engage all voices, my guess is there's a whole lot that you've learned that other CEOs would probably want to know about. What kinds of lessons did you learn specifically because you've been committed to engaging all voices? Um, The one that keeps coming back is communication. I can't communicate enough. Um, And so communicating, communicating, communicating about decisions, things that are coming up, and different ways of communicating as well. Um, it's, it was very apparent when I listened to staff um, that me getting out to, you know, we have over 43 different locations now throughout the Northwest, and Oregon, Washington, and Idaho are large states, so it's hard mm-hmm. to get everywhere, but it yeah. matters showing up. So, I mean, it's, it, there's, you know, things that we learned weren't that surprising, probably things that we should have known anyway. Um, the other thing we did is we went on a strategic planning tour, uh, our strategic planning um, exec and I, and did this great process where we got over 350 distinct ideas from, from all levels of staff. And, and then we communicated those back. We, we, put, we went through a very uh, good process we, uh, and then came up with a document, communicated them back, and then when we came up with our strategic plan, they could see, the staff could see that a lot of their, um, a lot of their ideas are being implemented. Outstanding. Can you tell us about the public-private partnership that you helped to create called Pathways to Wellness? Yeah, and that was really, you know, we could not create this tool. It was called the RHS-15, Refugee, uh, Re- RH for Refugees Health, um, and it has 15 questions. Um, and it was an assessment. Uh, we could not do that on our own. We didn't have the funding. We didn't have the resources. But as we went to Harborview and we went to the Gates uh, Foundation and some other foundations and, and uh, the public health of Seattle, um, everyone said that they wanted to be part of it, but it needed someone to lead it. And so these groups came together, and one of the exciting things about it is, to me, it's a success because uh, they're not really meeting anymore. Um, It's like sort of a product life cycle. They establish this product, it's being used internationally now, and so... It was this group of people that came together to solve a problem. They solved it, um, and now everyones we're still partnering with these folks, but in different ways. And to me, that's a success. We need to have more of those where we start something and then we end it. We don't just keep it alive just to keep it alive. It, it served out its purpose. As you have studied and uncovered unique needs of refugees that are coming to our country, What unique needs have you been identifying and how have you been going about helping refugees to meet those unique needs? One of the biggest um, needs and and things that I just found out about is that refugees experience trauma typically as a family unit. So as we normally treat folks who have experienced trauma through event, whether it be a sexual assault or something else, we're treating one person. 
it's, 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 we found it to be very different to treat these families that have picked up from Syria or another war-torn country and moved to a refugee camp. Um, they have experienced uh, trauma collectively. And so that's been something that's unique that we're really focusing on. Um, and then we're also the um, torture recovery clinic for the state of Washington. And so to have torture victims come from all of these different countries that you can probably guess um, that have experienced torture. And these are, you know, doctors and lawyers and for various reasons um, have had their lives just completely shattered. And then they come to a a country that um, is, in our case, uh, in the Northwest, very welcoming um, and... uh, but, uh, you know, that's a whole life change. And how do you navigate from being someone, in a lot of cases, that was very important, um, like a doctor um, that we have that I know is working for us down, downstairs as a clinician, to coming here and practically being homeless? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's been hard for them to navigate. And so that's why we're here is to help them navigate and find resources and make sure that they don't become homeless. When you say that so many of the refugees have experienced and are now experiencing their trauma as a family, how do you go about meeting the challenge of serving families from so many different cultures with so many different languages? Yeah, that's the exciting thing is we have those staff. I mean, and it creates staffing challenges, um, but we have the staff that speak those languages. And I think that's one of the reasons why we've grown so much is because we can, we can meet a need that others have a tough time meeting. And mm-hmm. so if I walk downstairs to the second floor, there's going to be 15 therapists and they'll probably speak 20-some different languages. If I go down to Portland, they speak over 40 different languages in that office alone. And oh so hiring folks that are, they have their master's, They've got licensed, and so they've gone through the work uh, to be in America and, and get credentialed, but it's taking some time. Um, but that's, that's how we do it, is we have these amazing, dedicated staff that a lot of them used to be refugees. Well, congratulations for all the diversity that you have represented within your organization and the tremendous capacity that you have built to be able to work multilinguistically and multiculturally with so many different folks. That's absolutely wonderful. We have to take a break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed 
to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, David Dewey, the president and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest. In the last segment, David was talking about the commitment, specifically their commitment to engaging all voices and the creation of pathways to wellness. In this third segment, we usually turn the conversation over to Andre Howard to discuss some aspects of change leadership. Andre? Take it away. Thank you, Tom. What a great interview thus far. So, David, I'd really love to dig a little bit, bit deeper in terms of uh, your own leadership style. I mean, it, it, takes, it takes a real special, I think, leader to, to run an organization in the sector given all of its challenges. Uh, I guess I'll start with something simple. How would you describe your leadership style as you think about running a pretty um, sizable organization I mean, what, what makes you go? What makes you tick? What makes you uh, connect all the dots together? I mean, what can we learn from, uh, from you in terms of leadership style and, and, and what makes it really happen? Um, that's not a simple question, <laughs> but I'll do my best. So uh, I'm a leadership nerd. Um, I listen to leadership podcasts. I just, I, I love to learn from other different leaders. Um, I'm um, very uh, attracted to the um, sort of the humble servant leadership style uh, for those that don't need to be the center of attention or to get the um, all of the focus or praise. And so, what makes me tick? Uh, you know, when I have a board meeting and I have staff in coming to talk about a moment for mission, or our HR director Gene is coming in to talk about something, and they're they're presenting to the board. Um, even though <laughs> I might be younger than some of them, I just feel pr- like a proud dad. I mean, it's just that watching people shine is what makes me tick and I get excited about. And so I'm a pretty good assessment of talent, so bringing talent in here and getting out of their way um, is is a lot of my job. Um, I'm very partial to fund development, so I like to get out and help with fund development, and, and we've done some pretty, pretty uh, amazing things so far, and I think it's only going to get better. Um, but that's sort of globally my leadership style. I'm, I'm the opposite of a, to a micromanager to a fault sometimes. Sometimes I need to do a little bit more attention to detail. But. Oh, that's great. That's great. So, so speaking of, of, of leadership and, and more specifically workforce issues, I mean, how, how easy has it been to, to get the right talent uh, on board and with the organization? I know a number of organizations in the sector are really challenged with trying to find um, good leadership talent and, and, and competing against other, against other sectors and a whole lot of other mm-hmm. uh, competing demands. How easy has the prospect been for you in terms of recruiting, retaining, supporting um, good talent? Uh, not easy at all. Um, and, and different levels have its different challenges. Uh, from the executive level, I feel like it's not easier, but um, we're, I, I'm able to recruit some people, and, and I've had some folks from the for-profit sector take some pretty sizable pay cuts because of the mission, but also because of the flexibility for um, you know, the work-life balance, um, and they have added you know, a tremendous amount. There's a learning curve going from the for-profit to the not-for-profit. Um, it's not the same. 
and so there is a little bit of a learning curve. Um, where we've where we've been the most challenged is in a, it's very typical for a not for, for profit in good economic times we have a tough time hiring because um, and because uh, you know our contracts um, don't typically pay very well and so we have to figure that out. So it, on average, for us to find a therapist, it takes us two months to find a therapist. And we do a pretty good job of keeping them because of our culture. Um, and uh, they know that they could go down the street and work for a hospital or school district for more money. Um, but uh, we have some perks um, that uh, maybe they can't offer. Um, so it, it, and I think it's going to get more challenging as well. Um, yes. And so, especially in our rural, where we, you know, we're, we're very committed to some rural, rural areas, um, and that is where we have, um, we have some opening positions in central Oregon right now, which is about one of the most beautiful places to live, but it's very difficult to find good, qualified staff. Very difficult. Well, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, I know there are a number of uh, organizations that are kind of recruiting from the communities that they serve, right? They are actually starting mm-hmm. to employ programs that lift um, those who have a lived experience that they are serving and start to put them on a track where they begin to develop them as leaders. And so we've been seeing a lot of, uh, of that. So it's kind of being creative and innovative. And I guess it's tough all over just to find the right talent uh, in, in these times. So Yeah. So and some of our best leaders came about within, the sector, from the program. My next question, the viability of the sector, the future of the sector. I mean, what's your outlook? I mean, are you hopeful? Uh, uh, I mean, there's so many challenges from funding um, constraints. You talked about the contracts that, you know, we have to abide by, which don't give much overhead to really run, um, you know, a robust um, service sometimes because the margins are very low. Uh, but what's your introspect in terms of where this sector goes, if it's going to survive over the next 50 years, 100 years? I mean, what's your take on some of that? Um, I'm, I'm definitely been accused of being blindly optimistic, and I think that's probably a fair <laughs> criticism. So <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I, I'm optimistic, um, and, uh, but I'm also realistic that we've got some huge challenges coming. The new uh, tax plan passed today, uh, yes. and the president is signing it probably any moment. Um, and although um, it's not going to have immediate consequences, sometimes it's good the government runs slow and changes slowly, <laughs> but it's coming. Um, the Affordable Care Act really provided a bunch of opportunities for us to provide services to the rural poor, to folks that we never would have had the opportunity to provide services for, for mental health. Um, and so that has been an opportunity that we have seized. That is going to be a challenge going forward, as I think we all probably know. Um, where the optimism comes in is these problems aren't going away, um, and we are the best sector to handle them. Uh, and I believe that, and I believe our sector is getting stronger and stronger um, You know, every day. We're becoming more sophisticated, um, but we're also not losing our heart. Um, and so... And I am seeing some of the leaders I work with, you know, throughout the alliance and some of the other leaders from the Lutheran organizations with, I am just in awe of. So um, I think we as a sector have a lot to offer, uh, and we will continue to attract major talent as people, you know, really care about these problems. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, you know, there's so many pathways that, you know, uh, that could happen. I think, you know, it sounds like you are very optimistic and hopeful that the future of the sector um, um, remains vibrant and robust. Uh, but we have to be, you know, uh, careful about the, uh, the various pathways and the crossroads that we come across, obviously. So. Yeah, and it's so, going to look uh, different. Go I ahead, mean, please. Yeah, it, go ahead. No, I was going to kind of move to the next. So in terms of, I mean, so it's interesting. We're in this the, the Christmas time, uh, holiday season. You're, you're the name of Lutheran in, in your organization, and you talk about the diversity and equity that you've been able to, 
to, to encourage. I, I'm always fascinated, uh, maybe not so fascinated, but how are you able to, to mitigate and make sure people are welcome, that, that this is an inclusive uh, culture, you know, we uh, serve uh, uh, constituents from all backgrounds regardless of faith. Does it ever become a tricking point at all in terms of folks who are served or folks who might want to be employed with, um, with Lutheran Community Services? Every day, yeah. Every day, that's a, that's a little bit of a tricky point. And, and we have had organizations that have dropped Lutheran from their name or Catholic from their name um, mm-hmm. because of that. We're, you know, I, I'm sort of taking the opposite approach as far as um, I, I talked a little bit about fund development. In the last month, we've received uh, a donation of two buildings from a Lutheran couple that's going to be worth about $4.5 million. Um, yeah. And we're in probably 250 wills from Lutheran folks that we know about. And Lutherans don't talk, so we're probably in 1,000. Um, <laughs> so from a fund development standpoint, uh, these, are, these folks believe in us. You know, it's, it's the soul. Um, but we're also, I mean, we are as an inclusive as can be, and so keep getting that message out. We're also having, we also have program names like Refugees Northwest, uh, which is a very substantial program that does the SILI work, does the torture work, refugee work, and immigration work. That, because of that name, uh, Refugees Northwest, that's got us into Starbucks and Amazon and, and uh, some really exciting ventures. So, we're not trying to be all things to all people because that's a huge leadership mistake. Um, but we are trying to clarify who we are and who we aren't. And, uh, and so far, it's, it's gone pretty well. And we, we, we do need to tell people, no, you don't have to be Lutheran to work here. Um, I am, but I'm, I'm one of the rare ones. There aren't a ton of us. So. Okay. <laughs> but it seems to work, so that's great. That's good. Yeah. 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 Good. My, my last question is, you know, so you guys are on the West Coast. Are issues there on the West Coast much different than the issues on the East Coast when it comes to uh, the social sector? I mean, how, how big of a difference um, exists in terms of issues, concerns, um, challenges? Are they the same regardless uh, overall in terms of, uh, again, workforce, constituents being served, the type of services being needed? Do you, have you found a difference at all between the different coasts? Does that make a difference at all? Uh, East Coasters dress a lot nicer than us. Um, you know, we, we're a little bit more casual here in the Northwest. We like our flannels and and uh, not as many suits. But from a sector standpoint, I don't see a huge difference. Um, you know, you go state to state. Uh, I, sometimes I go to uh, the conferences with other refugee resettlement agencies, and I feel guilty because we're our governors are very welcoming. Um, mm-hmm. Washington and Oregon, where we do resettlement work, they're calling us and saying, the governors and the mayors are calling us and saying, how can we help? We, you know, can we have a press conference on your behalf? And I've got peers around the country that are just being threatened to be shut down by governors and mayors. And so it's, it's, that part is pretty different. Um, and so uh, the refugee and immigration work, I think the mental health and the senior work we do is, is very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andre. We have to take another break. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. 
Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. We're back. I'm Tom Wall, and with me is Andre Howard and our special guest, David Dewey, the president and CEO of Lutheran Community Services Northwest. In the last segment, Andre and David were discussing change leadership. In this final segment, we usually like to give our special guest a chance to offer some advice to other practitioners in our field. David, what advice would you like to offer to your fellow leaders in our field? That's a very good question and global, but um, a couple of thoughts, uh, again, that I've learned from, from other leaders is, is one that I've been doing lately is paying attention to other sectors and things that are happening. Uh, for instance, I just got, uh, just, I'm busy like all of us, so I, I ordered lunch from Uber Eats, uh, and, I ha- and I've been doing that for the last couple of months. Uh, not, not, not every day, that'd be expensive, but it, it just saves me time. Um, but it's just a remarkable service where I can get a good meal delivered right to my door. I don't have to pull out my wallet. It's all automated. And then so how do we, do, how do we translate that kind of efficiency um, and access uh, to meet a need in our sector. One of the things we're doing, I've mentioned rural populations and how important they are to us. We're doing a lot more telemedicine or teletherapy, um, and it is almost impossible to find a child psychologist for Klamath Falls, Washington, um, which is a small border uh, town uh, in Oregon, excuse me, Klamath Falls, Oregon, um, and but we can do telemedicine. We can set up. We've got the technology. We can set up a great system so we can have one of our Portland child psychologists do a session with a child in Klamath Falls, or uh, some of our other, or Boise, Idaho, for that matter. Um, so I would suggest leaders get outside of your sector, take the time, and start looking at other things that other sectors are doing develop relationships with them, have them come in. They love uh, people from around here, Microsoft, Amazon, and some of the major corporations they have. If I call up some of their VPs and say, hey, can I have 60 minutes to go over a problem and I want your way of thinking, uh, they love that. They don't have a lot of time. Um, a lot of times they'll donate money too after the fact, but um, truly they can you know, bring with a specific problem, get a different way of thinking. Um, that's one of the things. Uh, the other thing that I'm really studying for this organization is um, Tony Schwartz read a, uh, wrote a book called The Way We Work Isn't Working, and it's all about energy. He's got a website and a, a, pro, a company uh, that just focuses on energy. Um, and we've been talking a lot about that because I need a healthy workforce. 
um, and physically, mentally, spiritually, they need to be healthy for the amount of work that we're asking them to do. Um, so those are two things. Outstanding. We also like to ask our guests to share a mistake that they may have made that afforded them the opportunity to learn something that they might never have learned if they hadn't made that mistake. Could you share a mistake like that with us, David? Uh, I could share several, but I'll focus on one. Um, one of the things about this job is my, I, I was a CEO in my previous job, but it, you know, this is a whole new level with the, with the amount of complexity and, and uh, frankly, the level of, of leaders that I have and, and talent, and it, it's a whole new level. So uh, I've learned through several mistakes in the last three and a half years. One of them is we acquired a really, a really amazing um, uh, uh, clinic, health clinic, in Spokane, Washington. And it was a no-brainer decision. They were closing. We were going all in on um, integrated health care. And so we were going to acquire this. It's about a $1.2 million property. Um, and it only had about 100000 worth of liabilities on it. So it, it seemed like a pretty much no-brainer um, uh, and got the team together, and we assessed it pretty quickly. Uh, the mistake uh, I made on it, and, and I still would have made the same choice, but I would have done it very differently, is, is the amount of work that is taken. There's, my decisions have a lot of ripples, and I'm just figuring that out, um, and uh, I'm sort of slow that way. <laughs> but uh, it, So the amount of work that people have had to do to make this work um, is, is pretty, uh, pretty amazing. So I would have gone a, a couple of different levels uh, down to say, okay, we're going to do this. Um, what needs to happen from a legal perspective? Uh, how are we going? To, and, and we did our due diligence, but I would have gone further. Um, so that's one of the mistakes. And then the other is I keep talking about communication. We're just trying to get better and better, but, you know, cannot commun- you cannot communicate enough. Um, especially a lot of our staff, um, we have a lot of Muslim staff and uh, staff that have, after the... Um, the executive orders and the travel bans were affected deeply um, from a fear perspective. They were scared to come to work. They were scared to go to the store. Um, And so ways that our team could reach out to them and communicate and make them feel safe. Um, We frankly dropped the ball on a couple of incidents and learned from them that don't ignore those because the staff, um, you know, if they don't feel safe coming to work, that's not a good work environment. Yeah, amen. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. Thanks to Andre Howard and to our special guest, David Dewey. Please join us again the next time for another edition of Leadership Matters. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Leadership Matters.